0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
2: From London, this is The Standard Podcast, and I'm Mark Blunden. Rishi Sunak revealed on Wednesday that the government is to introduce emergency legislation to clear and compensate hundreds of sub-postmasters and sub-postmistresses wrongly convicted in the Horizon IT scandal.
0: This is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. People who worked hard to serve their communities had their lives and their reputations destroyed through absolutely no fault of their own. The victims must get justice and compensation.
2: It comes in a fast-moving week for the developments in the fallout from the post office nightmare for its victims, which happened over a decade and a half up to 2015.
0: Today I can announce that we will introduce new primary legislation to make sure that those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal, are swiftly exonerated and compensated. The
2: spotlight is also turning on IT giant Fujitsu after its faulty accounting software Horizon helped lead to the wrongful convictions of more than 700 post office branch owner-managers for fraud, theft or false accounting after the faulty computer system left accounts shortfalls. It was missing money that wasn't really missing at all. It led to 236 of the workers being handed prison sentences, but just 93 have managed to get their convictions overturned so far. The fallout among the victims led to loss of earnings, bankruptcy, divorce and even suicide. Now after ex-post office chief Paula Venels returned her 2019 CBE, there were fresh calls for Venels and other former executives involved in the Horizon scandal to hand back their bonuses. The spotlight has returned to the case following ITV's four-part drama, Mr Bates vs the Post Office. The scandal was first uncovered in an investigation by Computer Weekly. In part two of the Standard Podcast, you'll hear our senior features writer Katie Strick telling the harrowing story and ongoing mental health fallout of an innocent London former post office manager was among those jailed. But first we're joined from Parliament by our political editor Nicholas Cecil. Nick, what's the latest after PMQs?
0: Well, there are two main things new from Prime Minister's question today. One is that, and probably the most significant, is that the Prime Minister announced an Act of Parliament, so primary legislation, to exonerate hundreds of sub-postmasters and sub-postmistresses who were wrongly convicted because of the flawed Horizon IT system used by the post office. The second item is that he also announced there'd be a £75,000 upfront call. Compensation for what is known as the GL group of uh, victims um, in this scandal. And that's a group led by Alan Bates.
2: And there's also an additional suggestion for Bates, who was the subject of the ITV drama.
0: Yes, yeah, so Cabinet Minister Esther McVeigh, the minister with a portfolio, but she's nicknamed the Minister for Common Sense, she has suggested that he should be given a knighthood as soon as possible. Downing Street hasn't shied away from the idea and um, it's also been backed by Sir Keir Starmer's team. So the system of honours is complicated and there are various criteria, but certainly it very much looks that uh, Mr Bates is in line for some kind of honour, whether it's a knighthood, a CBE or OBE. On the other hand, the former... Chief Executive of the Post Office, Paula Venels, she's agreed to hand back her CBE after a petition calling for her to be stripped of it, got more than 1.2 million signatures.
2: And what's happening with the Fujitsu execs appearing before a
0: committee? They're due before the business committee next week, um, and the chairman of that business committee, Labour MP, Liam Byrne, he's making it clear that it really boils down to one question. Did they put profits before people? So there'll be lots and lots of technical questions about IT systems and so on and practices. But at the end of the day, it boils down to that simple question.
2: And which politicians past or present are in the firing line for their actions? or lack thereof?
0: Yes, well, the person who's uh, currently most in the firing line is Sir Ed Davey. He's the leader of the Liberal Democrats. There are other people like uh, Pat McFadden, who's a senior Labour MP, and there have been around a dozen or so Postal Services Ministers in recent times who, who possibly could have done more on this. So there are quite a lot of ministers. How much any of the criticism sticks to them, I'm not sure. is not quite clear yet. So certainly we've got the inquiry, the public inquiry into the scandal is restarting taking evidence tomorrow on Thursday. And that's really the organisation which will seek to get to the bottom of what really happened and who's to blame for this scandalous miscarriage of justice.
2: Let's go to the ads coming up. The traumatic story of a wrongly convicted and jailed London sub-postmaster. Why not hit follow in the meantime? Give us a rating.
3: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: wherever you get your podcasts thanks for listening
2: welcome back Now, we're joined by Katie Strick, Evening Standard senior feature writer and editor, who in an Evening Standard front page has an exclusive interview with exonerated former post office manager Cameron Ashraf and his wife Seema.
3: This interview with Cam, who is a former post office manager from Hampstead, has been a long time coming. It's his first ever newspaper interview after staying quiet for almost 20 years. So it's naturally an incredibly powerful one. I do feel very lucky to have been the one allowed to tell it. There's so much I covered in my interview view, from his and his wife's spying at the post office back in 2001, to his being forced to plead guilty to theft he didn't commit, to being sentenced to nine months in jail. The details from his time in prison are naturally very harrowing, but just as harrowing actually has been the 20 years since his time in prison. So Cam says he'll never be the same person he was before his prison sentence. The family lost their income, the kids have had to move schools multiple times, they could hardly afford to feed their children at one point. The whole family have suffered mental and physical health issues, including the children. As a result of the whole saga, Cam's wife, Seema, has been receiving treatment for depression. Cam's been diagnosed with severe PTSD and still says he suffers 15 tremors a night. While well, his body sort of reacts to the stress of the whole thing, it seems to be getting worse rather than better. And having a criminal conviction has ruined so many aspects of his life. He has zero social life, he struggles to make friends, they've had various relationship struggles as a result of his trust issues. And though he did finally manage to get himself a job at the Department for Work and Pensions. He struggles to sort of make those close professional relationships because the stress of the ongoing saga.
2: Why did he say he pleaded guilty?
3: According to Cam the solicitor told him and his wife that they would only receive a sort of slap on the wrist if they pleaded guilty that they'd avoid this custodial sentence so really the decision that she put to them was that they just had to decide which one of them was going to plead guilty. Apparently the solicitor suggested that his wife took the blame because Cam at the time was the main breadwinner but Cam said he'd never have let his wife take the blame for many reasons partly because he genuinely believed that if anyone was to blame. It was him. He said he'd really started doubting himself, his own ability to run a business, his own ability to count. He'd completely lost his self-confidence by this point. So even when the hearing came around in in February 2004, his solicitor was apparently assuring him that the maximum he would get would be community service. And even that didn't make sense to Cam at the time, because he he knew he'd done nothing wrong. He knew he was innocent. But he says he'd went along with it because he trusted the post office. He trusted that a lawyer would know best. And obviously he regrets that hugely now.
2: What did he convey to you about his experience in prison?
3: His reflections on prison were definitely the most harrowing part of my interview, for obvious reasons. What struck me in particular was just his lack of preparation for the whole thing. You know, he really did not see this coming. He had breakfast with his wife that morning, he told her he'd be back in a few hours, he went to court with his father-in-law, and he'd been told by his solicitor that the worst case scenario was just some community service, really, and that even that felt extreme because he knew he was an innocent man. So to then be told a few hours later by a judge that he was being sentenced to nine months in jail was unimaginably shocking. He says he remembers his legs turning to jelly and just feeling almost as though he died as he was led away in a prison van to HMP Wandsworth. He suddenly found himself totally disconnected from the outside world, from his family, from friends and just thinking this must be a mistake. I didn't do anything wrong. It was sort of like a horror film. He says he was forced to share a cell with an aggressive man with mental health problems at the beginning, someone who wouldn't let him sleep. And so he later asked to be moved and he was moved into a cell with a man who was in prison for racially aggravated assault, which was obviously pretty terrifying as an Asian man. He says he didn't sleep. He was on antidepressants and they were just sort of some of the longest days of his life. After three weeks, he was moved to jail, a different jail near Brighton, which was slightly better, but he's still totally traumatized by the whole experience experience and says he's never been the same since. What are the
2: Ashraf's hopes for the future? Him
3: and his wife are still very much fighting, unbelievably really, after 20 years, it's still very much their daily reality. They're still battling for compensation on the mental toll and for his prison sentence. For them, I think closure will mean not having to talk about the post office anymore and not having to relive their experiences anymore. And for them, only then do they believe they'll actually be able to start focusing on mending their mental and physical health. They said, you know, he's receiving treatment, she's received Treatment, but he doesn't believe it'll ever be fully effective until they can stop talking about it and stop dealing with it. They believe that this will affect their lives forever, but they did say this TV show has been a turning point and that their focus, if they possibly can, is just on the family, on their three children, and just making an effort to create new happy memories. So they took a holiday to Orlando last year, which was their first in all that time, and They realised then that they should take some photos. They hardly had any from the last 20 years. What's
2: his view of how the government's dealt with the scandal?
3: he's obviously pleased to see politicians are finally taking this case seriously but I think he and all the victims just feel sad that it took this TV drama to get them to listen and I think one thing he really can't get his head around is how the post office could possibly still be in control of the whole compensation process. He believes it should obviously and absolutely be overseen by an independent body and he also just believes that financial compensation will never be enough. What he says he really needs is unlimited therapy for the whole family and most importantly an apology from the post office.
2: Casey from your research how indicative of the whole rotten post office IT scandal is the experience of the Ashrafs?
3: Much of his story rings true for the majority of the victims, that their innocence, the gaslighting they experienced, the trust they all put in the post office... Even if they weren't sent to jail, so many of them say they suffered mental health problems, as did their families. And obviously, in the most extreme cases, some of them have even gone on to take their own lives as a result. Cam says he's on a WhatsApp group with 40 or so of the victims, and they all said the same thing before the drama came out. They said they were looking forward to it, but also pretty sceptical and pretty nervous. Nervous that they'd be re-traumatised by watching it, but also that it just wouldn't do their experience justice. Fortunately, I think he and the majority believe it has done their experience justice as much as it could. And I think that. That's all down to the fact that it focuses on the human stories behind the standard, not just these astounding numbers.
2: There's much more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. We're back on Thursday at 4pm.
1: Hi, I'm Lawrence Telaglio, host of the Evening Standard rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance.